Hello again out there in Birdland. It's uh, Anson Tebbets along with... Uh, Chip Darmstadt. All right. I hope everyone uh, survived the cold. We had another uh, we had another good stretch midweek for sure. Yeah. Um, I think Island Pond, I think that's the one I, I noted the most. Island Pond, Brighton had registered 36 below on a Thursday morning. 36 below? <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah, yeah I think uh, our friend Roger Hill, um, our meteorologist, um, uh, had that in one of his nuggets. But, yeah, so it's been um, – it's been cold, and um, you know I'm, the feeders are very active. My chickadees seem to adapt regardless of the temperature. Um, they just seem to come and go, and my turkeys seem to come and go. And I, I really feel for the turkeys because they come off their roost eh, about seven o'clock in the morning now, and then and then they just beehive it right to the to the bird feed bird feeders and get uh, the seeds that have you know fallen down or or I put a little extra out for them. So, but they adapt. And I guess birds can adapt during cold weather, right? They do. You know, it's it's often more about access to food than the cold. Obviously, there's there's limits to how much cold a bird can take. But you know, the reason why most birds migrate south is not necessarily due to the cold. It's it's more due to lack of food. Um, you know, a lot of our birds have multiple adaptations for surviving winter. Um, you you know you know how when you see them on one of those frigid days out by the feeder and when they're not actively flying they're all puffed up you know they um can erect their feathers and get all fluffy to trap the warm air next to their body uh they can roost communally nut hatches kinglets uh are some of the species i don't know if chickadees do this or not but some birds roost communally uh maybe in a cavity uh, I know kinglets are known to do that overnight. They'll they'll find a, a cavity in a tree and roost in there communally to stay warm. Um, you know they can they can stand on one leg and put the other leg up against their body and alternate, uh, tuck their their head into their wing. So there's lots of things birds uh, do to yeah, to combat the cold and retain retain the heat and retain their energy. Well, they've certainly been doing it uh, this winter. It's been uh, a little bit colder and not as much uh, not as much snow for sure. So it's twofold. The, the turkeys seem to be getting around, uh, you know, quite well. I mean, you know, being they got a good crust and it's not deep snow, so they're not struggling yeah. through that. And mine have discovered that taking the road is a lot easier than going through the middle of the field. <laughs> yeah, they're smart birds. Yeah. I'm always amazed at like think of a bird like a turkey with those long exposed legs mm-hmm. I think of ducks or gulls in frigid water or standing on ice and um, I, you know there's some there's this fancy term I think it's called a counter current circulation the on, on on the legs of a gull say or a duck the veins are on the outside periphery of the leg and that's you know shunting the the blood uh, from the um, uh, from the body into the foot and the arteries are towards the center of the leg and so that blood is returning to the body and the heart towards the heart and it's it's retaining its warmth because it's inside or closer to the interior of the leg and it's transferring some of its heat to the veins on the outside of the leg so Apparently that's you know that keeps the leg from freezing, I, but I just can't believe that's enough. <laughs> that, you know, this configuration of arteries and veins 
are enough to conserve enough heat or prevent the legs from freezing. It's just, it amazes me. Yeah, we know they don't have, uh, you know, darn tufts like we have, you know. They, they can't have the darn tough socks. So they got to, they got to, but it is, I think it is incredible how they adapt. And you mentioned that the, um, so at nighttime, birds pretty much go somewhere, hunker down and, and wait it out, right? Yeah, you know, um, a grouse, for example, will dive right into the snow and have a little snow cave, um, spend the night there. Have you ever walked in the woods and have flushed a grouse out of the snow? It's one of the most startling <laughs> things. It's always startling when you flush a grouse, but flushing it out of the snow is really unexpected. Yeah. No, I haven't experienced that. Certainly uh, during my summer walks and fall walks, it is startling to, to get... Uh, you know, two or three, just flushing them out. But yeah, no, so they adapt and, um, you know, and you mentioned, I think that a lot of our um, moles and mice and whatever, are they've got little channels under the snow too. And I did see it and I got a nice imprint of a, some sort of strike the other day. It looked like an angel had landed, uh, but some sort of, it looked like a hawk had landed to take something, but its wings made a nice, beautiful imprint into the snow. That was kind of fun. That's impressive, yeah. I, I, you know, I saw, that reminds me, I saw an owl the other day hunting, a barred owl hunting during the day. And definitely, you know, that's a sign that it's not getting enough, it's not finding enough food or catching enough food at night, to, to, you know, so it can take the day off, basically. Um, so that can happen when there's a good crust and it's harder for for owls or hawks to break through the snow to get their prey. And often when there's a crust, Raptors will be hunting by the roadside, and you know, and, and owls during the day. So that's a you know a sign that they're they're definitely stressed. They're changing their behavior. They're adapting their behavior, uh, but they're also yeah. It means that it's also a challenge for them. Yeah, good stuff. As we head toward, believe it or not, good old February, um, and we get through January. Um, you know, we can handle February. I think we got twenty eight days this year, right? We're not. It's not a leap year, right? That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So yeah, that's the days. Days are getting longer. I took a walk the other day, and you know, it's still a little bit light at five o'clock. Yeah, we're only about fifty three days from uh, spring, so that's not too bad when you think yeah. about. It. That's pretty good. But um, we don't know why this bird is here, but uh, we have an incredible bird that's uh, landed at a feeder. I believe it's it's Addison County, and it's a it's a painted bunting. It's spectacular, but it's here in the wintertime uh, against the snow. Yeah, um, it's a, a remarkable bird uh, it, that belongs, well, I shouldn't say belong. It, it, most of them are in Florida, Texas, Mexico, down into Costa Rica, maybe the Caribbean. The vast majority of the painted buntings in the world right now are in very warm areas in, in the southern United States into Central America. And I, Anson, I, I'm afraid to say, I don't think you'd heard the news or I hadn't had a chance to tell you, but this painted bunting did succumb to the cold. Oh. Apparently did freeze. It was at someone's feeder in Bristol, a beautiful male painted bunting, red throat and breast, a blue head, a red eye ring, this kind of yellow green back, a red rump, just an incredible looking bird. And I think it spent better part of a week at someone's feeder in Bristol. Um, uh, the person was feeding it, I think providing water. 
but yeah, it, it did not survive the cold. We were just talking about this before the breakup. Many birds, you know, most birds can, can handle uh, very cold temperatures, uh, but this bird did not make it. Um, mm. I, I don't know if these southern species, um, you know, chickadees uh, and other birds, they do have uh, denser feathers or grow more feathers in the winter. You know, they they are their plumage is adapted, or the extent of their plumage is adapted for the cold weather. But that may not be true for a bird like a painted bunting, which normally is never subjected to cold temperatures like the experience here in Vermont. Of course, it's, it's so off course, it probably had a little stressful fly in as well. So it's probably stressed and, and weak and whatever. But uh, they were feeding, doing the best they could. And I remember even in the summertime, having one here is remarkable, right? I remember a few years ago, we had one in the summer that was hanging out. So it's not even in the summertime we might get one. Right. There's there's only been, this was the fifth record of painted bunting in Vermont. Uh, the last one was, was in 2016 in Pittsfield. And I... Uh, I think it was there in the fall, if I'm remembering correctly, early fall perhaps. And a lot of people saw that bird. I did. I never got over there to see it, but it hung around for quite a while. A lot of people got to enjoy this beautiful painted bunting in Vermont. Before that, I think there was one in Danby in 2007, and then a couple reports from the 90s uh, or in different places in Vermont, including one in Waterbury. Hmm. Um, oh, there goes my dog. Um, so, yeah, a very unusual species here in Vermont. Um, most are way south right now, but, uh, yeah, I'm sure it broke up someone's uh, feeder for for a week at least. Good, healthy bark there. <clears throat> yes. It's good. It's good. It's good. Well, Pepper, it's okay. It's just another dog. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure folks have experienced this too. So, well, that's, you know, nature can be a little rough on the edges sometimes. And this is, uh, yeah. you know, it was, it was here for a while and uh, it didn't make it. But you know, such is nature sometimes. You know, it's, uh, yeah, it's true. It, that does happen. Often you, when you hear about a rare bird showing up somewhere, uh, it often gets, you know, picked off by a shrike or a cooper's hawk or something else happens. And I remember there was a white-faced ibis on Plum Island some years ago, and a, and a peregrine falcon swooped in and, and, and nabbed it right in front of a, a classroom of uh, college students. Yeah, well, good lesson for them, that's for sure. Yeah. All right, folks. Well, um, looks like Vermont may not get the big storm that some of the, the coast is getting, but who knows? It may take a left-hand turn and come our way. But everyone, uh, bundle up. Um, get ready for February. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, and we'll do it again next week. I'm Anson Tebbets. I'm Chip Darmstadt. Or the birds. <laughs>